Humanity is what the world's all about. What was created, what was created on Rosh Hashanah? Man itself. Humanity. Humanity was created. The purpose of creation was humanity. And that's Rosh Hashanah. By the way, the, um, another deep, deep thinker called Kabbalist, B'nai Saskar, B'nai Saskar says 40 days, right? There's a concept in, in, in Judaism that for, there's, a, there's a special reality to the number 40, right? Anyone know in science what 40, what 40 represents? What happens after 40 days? 40 days to like uh, get into something or break, like a, habit. break a habit or... Okay, kind of yeah, conception. sure. Conception. Fetus? Yes, fetus, conception, 40 days. After 40 days, the y, X and Y chromosome is determined in science, right? 40 days. Torah, the Gemara actually told us that beforehand, right? 40 days, it says that a... a um, 40 days, the, the heavenly voice goes out before, right? Before insemination, 40 days goes out and tells you which the, this seed will be married to this person, right? Your destiny, in essence, your, your um, soulmate is announced in heaven 40 days before, before that moment. So 40 days, by the way, from the time of creation, from physical creation, if you ask, El, and 25th El is actually what's called the uh, Tuba Av, which is the 15th of Av, which is the day of, which is a different topic, the day that is the bounding of uh, relationships and creation of soulmates in, in this world. But we'll, we'll leave that for a different topic. It's just a side point. Relationship judgment day? Tuba'av. No, Tuba'av. The Jewish Valentine's Day. Lahavdil, right? Not, not, uh, not really that day. But let's get, let's get back here. Let's get back here. Instead of learning everything from the holidays, because of after the thousands of years that have gone on and things that had occurred on those days, you start to figure out what happened with it and the energy of it. Why don't we learn from the Torah what the energy is and we do. celebrate it? We do. We do. So why don't we learn about it? They're in the Torah. Day? All these ideas were in the Torah. It's just, it's process of, uh, through history that it's revealed. I feel like most also. people learn it backwards. Like, I've grown up learning it that, oh, this is the holiday that we're celebrating. We do this and this and this. Instead of like the way you're teaching us is that this is... Honestly, this is the way I was taught. What I'm giving you over is all from Rabbi Berkowitz. No, there's not one thing tonight that's not... There's not one, not one idea that I've said up to now. Is, it's all straight from him. We have to revamp that Jewish education. Uh, that, that's for true. That's 100%. Um, but continuing, yeah, back, 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 getting back here. So what, what, is, what is the next, what is our next step? The next step is, it's creation. Humanity is created. And now What? What is that spiritual reality that we're supposed to connect to? Okay, man was created. Man is here. Humanity is here. What's the point? 
What's the goal? In essence, what was, what was created when man was created? We said, we asked the question, creation, isn't creation important? Can we celebrate creation itself, meaning the world is created? Why does it have to be Rosh Hashanah, the, the, the year beginning with the creation of man? What is significant, so significant to man itself? What is, what is significant? No? What? Okay. We have a soul. But what's, what's important about that? What differentiates? What is so special about humanity itself? The choice, Anyone? The choice. Being able to choose. The difference be, between us and all other creations is the ability to choose. What separates us from all other creatures on the planet is one thing and one thing only. The ability to make a choice. What did Hashem, what did Hashem create this world for? He created the world for love. To give. The ultimate giving. Unconditional giving. What is the, what is the fulfillment of that unconditional giving? He, this world is sustained. Every aspect of the world is sustained. The little knit the little ants, the little amoebas, everything is sustained through godly power. Everything. It has to be. In essence, you can go back if you want to know what's a simple way to know. Where did it all come from? Where did the first, first of the Big Bang, of that little dot, where did that come from? Ask any scientist. Great. Where did that first little, little dot come from? The first dot of creation, of the Big Bang, where did that come from? I'll tell you, it has to be coming from a potential force outside of time and space. What's a potential force outside of time and space? That's how Judaism decides and defines God. That's always been. So all of creation has to be sustained through God. So then why is the point of creation humanity itself? Because what is the essence of giving to someone? What is the essence of giving to someone? That he can just take and take and what? And be a robot? And not do anything with it? Just be a program? What is the point of giving? You know, God, God willing, every single one of you will have, will have uh, beautiful children one day. Beautiful Jewish children. What, what, hopefully, what is the goal for... Think about it. What is the goal for your parents for you? What, what is their dream, their hope, that, they, that you become what? <laughs> if you're a Persian, a doctor, or a dentist. I know, I know. Or pharmacist is third, third. Right? <laughs> so, what it, what, besides, besides the Persian mothers and fathers, like, sorry, we're going to exclude them for a second, so that's almost the entire room. So, Brady. <laughs> no. Um, what, <laughs> what is... <laughs> What is, what is the goal and the purpose? What is the goal and the purpose for, for hopefully every parent? That their child becomes what? Married, happy, all good, but 
grandchildren. Mary's a lawyer. Independent. Independent. To be able to be independent. Ideally. <laughs> Ideally, they would, the, the goal and purpose of your child is that they what? You give them the ability to grow up and earn their own existence. To be able to make their own decisions. To make their own choices. What is, what is, why does the whole purpose of creation about humanity... It's because we have the ability to do what? Choose. And in essence, what are we choosing? What's significant about free choice? What is so special about it? Who cares? Be like everyone else. Don't use your free choice. Today, it's the opposite. The better we don't use our brain, it's even better. The more we just enjoy and entertain ourselves. And that's all we're about. So don't use your brain. It's the opposite. But the Jewish point of view, what is the point of choice, of free choice? The point of it is to be able to what? Earn our existence. The whole point of being in this world is one point and one point only. For you to be able to earn your existence. Earn your place. Most people in the world don't have that concept. What do I have free choice for? Chocolate, vanilla? That's not free choice. A BMW or Mercedes? No, that's not free choice. What are you here for? To earn your existence. And in essence, when we're asking for on Rosh Hashanah, it's called life. Life is the ability to be able to say, I want to earn my existence. I want the ability, the challenge, the ability to be able to go and say, I want life. I want to be able to make the choices in my life to make my life great in order that I can earn my place of who I am. That's in essence what we're asking Hashem on Rosh Hashanah. I want real life. In essence, right now, the, the Bnei Soskar asks, and says, what was, what was God doing before creation? What was he doing? Which is now, the month before, what was he doing before creation? Meaning if you go through again that, that cycle that we talked about, the year cycle. If we go to the point of creation is right now, Rosh Hashanah. That's the first of Tishrei. Go 30 days before, which is 30 days before the start of creation. What was God doing? <laughs> Sounds like uh, one of those silly, uh, one of those silly uh, 
questions that people ask. You know, can God create, uh, you know, a, a rock that he can't pick up or something silly like that, right? What was God doing before creation? So he says that's exactly what Elul is. That's exactly what Elul is. It's the month before creation. So what was God's, what was God doing? In essence, the month before creation is, he says, the desire to create. First and foremost, before the action of actual creation, there is a desire to create. So in essence, what does that mean? This, these days are what's called the days of desiring creation. And plugging in what we just learned, it's the desiring Wanting, developing, and focusing on wanting real life. Wanting real life. Wanting the ability to earn our existence. Wanting the ability to be able to choose, choose real life. And here's, here's the scariest part. They used, to, they used to say that during Elul, right, which is the month we're in right now, when they would announce it in synagogue, they talk about it in, in Europe, when they would announce it in synagogue, which is like the month coming up, people would, people would pass out from, from the fear, from the real fear. You know Why? You know why we don't pass out today? Because we're so far from it. We're so far from these concepts. These concepts are like, yeah, they sound a little fluffy to us. These are really real. These are real, you know, difficult to understand. Let, let, let me tell you what uh, one of the greats one of the great uh, people from the last generation, he died in the Holocaust. He was killed, murdered by the Nazis. He was the, he was the head rabbi in what's called the um, Slobodka Yeshiva. And as a side point, he, he actually dressed up in his finest clothes to go meet the Nazis. And actually, when the Nazis came into the town, they rounded up and they had a list of all the rabbis and the heads of the, of the yeshivas. And he was one of the first people on the list. There is a uh, source in the Gemara that says, you know, when you don't, you don't show your fear to, to, uh, to our enemies. So he got dressed in his, in his finest clothes, his Shabbat clothes, just to go meet the Nazis to show, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm not afraid of you. You can take my life, but you're not going to take who I am. So he says, he describes, he has this amazing piece on El, not so long, just two pages. It's one of the discussions that he gave over in Yeshiva. And he said, what is the fear? What is the fear that people have during this time? Such a powerful idea. Hopefully it wakes us, wakes us up to this concept, to the reality of it. He says, you know what the, you know what the fear is? The fear is, you have been given so much potential. You 
are the person that are not in competition against anyone else except yourself. You have been given this unbelievable amount of potential. It's inside of you. You know what the fear is? That you don't fulfill it. That's the fear. The potential is here now. You have it. It's there. It's inside of you. And the real fear is that you don't bring it out to its fullest capacity, to its fullest potential. Because that's what you're in this world for. That's what the purpose of you being here right now, to bring out your full potential. And that's what this time is all about. First and foremost, leading up to Rosh Hashanah, bringing, bringing that desire, the point of desire is that Hashem made it that we should desire wanting real life. It's now. This is the opportunity leading up to Rosh Hashanah. Biding, really getting into what's called the work ethic. Understanding that I'm in this world for a purpose, to fulfill my potential. Really understanding that I don't want to just have an easy, simple, go-lucky, brainless type of life. I want to have a life where I'm thinking, I'm making real decisions. I'm really making changes in my life. I'm becoming a better person. I'm working on myself. I'm developing who I am. I'm bettering my relationships with, with my family, my friends, my future spouses. I'm really developing as a person. I'm really developing a plan to become a greater individual. Now, in the future, I'm developing my relationship with Hashem. I'm doing all those things. And you know what? It's not going to happen overnight. But I'm setting a game plan to make it happen over my lifetime. To fulfill my potential now. And you know when you, when you do it now, you can come and Rosh Hashanah and say, Hashem, I have a plan. I want you to give me the life. I want you to give me for the next year the opportunity to really grow and make me fulfill and help me fulfill my game plan of becoming the greatest person that I can become. And that's bringing down that spiritual energy which was created from the first day of creation for you. And if you're not doing that, then you completely disconnect from the whole purpose of creation. And that's scary. That's scary. So in essence, what can we do? We have time. It's not too late. Start setting a game plan. Start understanding where you want to go. Start figuring out who you are. What things are lacking inside of you that you need to fix? That you need to become and how to become a greater individual? How do I improve my relationships with my friends, my family, my future spouse? How do I develop my relationship with, with Hashem? What things can I be doing to be strengthening that, that part of me? If we're not asking ourselves these questions, what are we doing? What are we doing? 
I'll finish with this. With, uh, I thought it was an incredibly powerful story. Someone that, that, that really, I think, fulfilled these, these concepts or is fulfilling these concepts. A guy named Jeffrey. I think it was Jeffrey Cohen. Excuse me. Jeffrey Conan. Grew up in Iowa. Completely assimilated family. Uh, had no connection whatsoever to anything Jewish. Besides uh, the high holidays every once in a while that they would go to his uh, reformed temple. And yet grew up with zero. I'm saying zero knowledge of, of Judaism and zero connection in the Jewish community. This Jeffrey was a very like sporty type of guy. Very athletic. Um, and he tried out. He, he always dreamed of going to the Marines. He went to the Marines and then actually went to a special forces unit within the Marines. And this was the late 90s. And somehow he got sent and his unit got sent to Kosovo, which was at the time a civil war in Kosovo. And while he was doing there, he, he got heavily involved in, in the fighting. And one such mission, he went into, he was doing house to house fighting. And one of the houses he went in, it was a very horrific scene, he said. The whole family was literally killed. And of the family that was left was this older mother and, uh, and this, other, this other, and her daughter. And they were, they were heavily wounded. And he took them out under heavy fire, basically. He got shot in the process. But he was able to pull them out. And he got them on a helicopter and they were all taken away. He was flown eventually emergency a plane back to the United States for surgery. He was able to get out of it. And somehow he kept a um, connection. He was able to keep a connection with, with this family and this mother and this, this daughter that he saved. And uh, after about a year... With heavy recovery, he got out. He was released from the army because of his injuries. And he actually went to Kosovo to meet this family. And he started a romantic relationship with, uh, with the daughter. And eventually got married. She's, uh, of course, not Jewish. He had a few kids. And in total, he had five kids. And uh, when they first got married, the agreement they made was she, who had a, a, a bent towards anti-Semitism, uh, promised to him that she wouldn't mention anything anti-Semitic to him. And she, he would promise to her that she he would not mention to her that, she, that he's Jewish. That was kind of the agreement that they made. Fine. But anyone knows, you know, in marriage, it's difficult. And when, uh, when tensions happen, you know, some, some things get said that, that maybe you, you want to say or you don't want to say. So every time that they got in an argument, 
she brought out, you know, the kind of anti-Semitic language. And uh, it really hurt him. It bothered him. So as their relationship kind of deteriorated, she became more and more aggressive about the anti-Semitic language, calling him names, saying these are the Jews, that are the Jews. So it kind of pushed him to kind of go against her and say, you know what? Uh, yeah, of course I'm Jewish and I'm proud to be Jewish. And in, in some strange way, it pushed him towards Judaism, which he never thought about and never did. So at the height of their arguments, randomly he met a, a Jew in, in Kosovo, an observant uh, businessman that would actually come there for about a month and then travel back to to Europe, I forget where he's from, France or whatever it is, but he got to meet him and they, they kind of built a little bit of a relationship and he, you know, he, t- he told him at a certain point that he's Jewish and, and uh, he wants to learn a little bit more. So this, this, uh, this businessman started to, to, I guess, learn with him one-on-one and teach him. And the more their relationship with his wife deteriorated and she became more anti-Semitic, the more it, it pushed him to, strangely enough, learn more and more about Judaism. So much so that their, their relationship eventually became to the point where he, he divorced. So he continued to learn and eventually the, the businessman said, listen, I, I have to leave. Uh, my business is done, but you know what? Why don't you, why don't you go to Israel? You've never been, why don't you go there? So this guy, this guy goes and travels to Israel. And he starts studying, and within a year, becomes an observant Jew. Is L.A.J. one? Not L.A.J. <laughs> Not from Kosovo. Actually, we did have someone from... That's a longer story. We did have someone from there. Um, but it wasn't him. So he goes and becomes observant. Lives, lives in Jerusalem, lives there for a few years. But, you know, never finds... Never finds anyone else to get married to. Doesn't get remarried. So one Lagba Omer, he goes up to Maron, Rabbi Shimon's uh, caver, to the, to the gravesite of Rabbi Shimon ben Bar Yochai. And there's massive amounts of people there, massive amounts of people. And there's a big pylon, like it just gets crazy. And people, someone fell over and then other people fall on them. And it became like a, almost like a trampling scene. So this former, you know, big guy, Marine, Special Forces gets in there to like try to help pull people out. And he gets in there and he pulls people out. And on the bottom, all that was trampled on was this, was this, uh, were these two girls. And he, and he helps, you know, he helps pull them out of the pile, picks them up. And uh, two, two girls from Hungary. That, that became some, a crazy story that themselves, that they became uh, Jewish. And uh, he talks to them, gets them out of the pile, helps them out. He says, you know, I'm, I'm traveling back to uh, B'nai Brak. They said, well, you know what, we want to go there also because we heard there's this amazing rabbi that, uh, that we'd like to get a blessing about. From, he's, he's the biggest rabbi we've heard, Rabbi Kanievsky. And we'd like to get a, a blessing from him. He's like, okay, you know, I, I live close to there. I can, again, I was going that way. I can drive you. So he drives these two, two, two women to, to Rev Kanievsky. 
And he drops him off and he says, well, well um, by the way, the rabbi, he doesn't really, he doesn't really go into, it's, first of all, it's really difficult to go see him. And two, his wife used to see women and she was amazing. She was a super, super duper woman, lady, but she only recently passed away. And really there's no way for women to go see the rabbi at this moment. So they said, well, maybe you can go in and, and ask for the blessing, get the paper. We'll write it down for you and maybe we'll get a blessing from the rabbi through you. So he says, you know what? I've never actually been in there. I haven't seen the rabbi and I could use a blessing myself. Fine, I'll go. I'll go and I'll get a blessing for you. I'll get a blessing for, for myself. No problem. So he goes in there and by the way, I've been there. It's like, if you don't have an appointment, there's almost impossible to get in unless you're pushing and you're shoving and doing this. So he uses his old marine techniques and he goes in there, bumps this guy out of the way, bumps that guy out of the way, goes in there, sneaks himself in until he gets to the front and he sees the rabbi. And he tells, he quickly tells the, uh, the rabbi's uh, assistant before them his quick story. So the rabbi actually never gives this much time, but he gave him an extra like minute, right? Usually it's about two seconds. You get a quick, you know, it's called bua, and then you're, you're out. That's it, literally. But this, for whatever reason, the, the assistant heard of his, this guy's story, so he told the rabbi really quick, and the rabbi gave him like two minutes. So he's telling him, okay, you know, I, these girls, they also need a blessing. I need a blessing. He's trying to fit it in within that quick time, and he says, says, okay, I, you got the, you need a blessing and she needs a blessing for getting married. And he looks and he kind of closes his eyes and he says, you already got the blessing. The guy's looking like, what are you talking about? Well, you already got the blessing. You just met her. Like what? It's like, you just met her. You're blessed. Get out. <laughs> and, uh, and they rush him out. So he's like, you know, what do you mean? They just met her. So he, he's kind of embarrassed to go back to the girl and like, what, <laughs> like hey, maybe she'll think I lied. And like, I did this on purpose. And like, what do you mean? How can I tell this? So he says, he goes, he goes back and says, listen, I, I, I didn't make this up. I'm telling you, this is, this is real. The rabbi said... I met you already. I asked him for a blessing for you and asked the blessing for me. And he said, you just met. You're blessed already. Now get out. And she said, okay. She kind of looked at him and said, okay. He's like, you know, 11 years older than me. She's not Persian, but okay. Um, (laughs) No, but it was 11 years older. And he says, okay, let's go out. We'll try it. Anyway, they went out and they get married and found the blessing. In life, in life, we have to, we have to fulfill our potential. That, that is the whole point and the purpose of what we're here for. That's what Rosh Hashanah is about. It's figuring out, up to, leading up to Rosh Hashanah, it's figuring out our destiny. Figuring out who you are, what you are, what your purpose is, what your, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. It's time to buy into the work ethic of understanding that I'm here to grow, to become the best individual that I can become. 
I'm not in this world as a competition against anyone else but myself to fulfill my potential. That's what this time is. This time is to figure out that game plan. That on Rosh Hashanah, you can come to Hashem and say, I want life. I want real meaning. I want real life. Here's my game plan. Help me fulfill it. And we should all be successful. Show that blessing. Thanks for coming.